Welcome to the Forever 80s podcast, hosted by Liz Worth, where we talk to fans, artists, collectors, and more about all the things we love about the 1980s. Hey there, welcome to the Forever 80s podcast. This is Liz Worth, and today I have Nelson Garcia with me from The Queen is Dead, a Toronto-based Smiths tribute band. Uh, I'm really excited because we haven't had a lot of bands on the show yet, and it's possible that one or two other members might join us uh, throughout the episode, so we'll see uh, if that happens, but welcome, Nelson. It's great to have you here. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm uh, really excited about this. Yeah, I'm excited too. I I love I love talking about the Smiths and I love the idea of people who do tributes. So I have a lot of questions for you. Obviously, the first question I want to start with is where did the idea come from to have a Smiths tribute band in the first place? Yeah, so the idea came from Eric, he's a guitar player. Uh, I remember browsing through Kijiji back in like 2016, I want to say, and I'm like, uh, seeking vocalist for tributes, uh, you know, Smith's tribute band. I'm like, that's something I could probably do. So I reached out to Eric and he's like, well, we have some, someone coming in for an audition, but like, uh, it sounds like he's going to flake. If he flakes, I'll give you a call. I'm like, okay, I, I wasn't expecting anything. And then he called me. I came in, we did a couple songs. It was my birthday, I remember, so I had to like go real quick. We did three songs and they called me the next day and uh, the rest is history, as they say. Okay. <laughs> and is this is this something that you had thought about doing before? I mean, did you ever see yourself as someone who'd be singing Smith songs up on a stage? Not, not really, not until I saw that ad. Uh, I've always liked the Smiths, uh, well, loved the Smiths and Morrissey, uh, but then I just saw it and it caught my eye. I'm like, that's something I can probably do. So let's give it a shot. And it's, it's worked out well. <laughs> okay. So this is a very organic happening yes, for you. Definitely. Okay. Okay. I, I find that so interesting because I would feel so intimidated trying to sing Smith songs for other people. Yes, it is intimidating. There's a lot of lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um that's one of the questions people ask me the most at shows. Like, how do you remember all those words? Like, they just come to me in the moment. Like, I've, you know, I've grown uh, my whole life listening to the Smiths and, and those songs. So in a sense, like, I didn't have to learn them. You know what I mean? Like, it, they were in my brain. And it's just, I know it's a lot of words, but I love those songs. So it's just part of my subconscious, I guess, at this point. That makes so much sense because the Smiths are such a lyric oriented band and there is something about when we, you, I think when you love a song, it does become such a natural part of your memory. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you think you know the song, but there's so many words that you really have to do homework sometimes, you know, like, let me just go back. Um, especially since, you know, the structure of some of those songs are not straightforward. Sometimes it's like chorus, chorus, starts with the chorus, then two verses, then the next time around it's three verses. So it's like, you gotta be on your toes. 100%. Yes. Yeah, it's very intricate songwriting. Indeed. It sounds simple, but like when you break it down, uh, it's, it's very complex. Um, we have a relatively new bass player and he always thought, oh my, those songs are so easy until he like had to sit down and learn the bass parts. He's like, well, 
yes, especially around structures uh, of the songs. They're not straightforward, like I said. Mm -hmm. I think we have Frank joining us. Oh, nice. Yeah. Frank, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. My name is Frank Baraska. I'm the drummer for The Queen is Dead, the ultimate Smiths tribute. (laughs) Yes, welcome. We were just talking about uh, the, the kind of pressure that could come from doing a tribute band like this, because there can be really high expectations from Smiths fans. Uh, I think there, that's definitely true. There is a high expectation. But I also find that people that know the music intimately, and most of our fans that come out do, they, they know all the deep cuts, they sing along to every single song. Um, I feel like we do it justice because the reaction that we get from the audience is always so genuine and um, it's very heartwarming, actually. I always make a point between sets to say hi to everyone and just make a, let them know that I appreciate them as much as they appreciate us. So I think we're doing something right because it always seems to strike pretty hard. And and these are these fans range from any anywhere between early twenties to like, you know, Nelson's age. Oh my God! <laughs> I don't know what no, that means. And, and all the way and all the way up, obviously, to people that were actually around at that time when the Smiths were breaking. Yeah, we've, so. we've had actually a couple of people come that, you know, went to see the Smiths when they came a couple of times in Toronto, which is right. Uh, very fine. It's in, in stuff, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And Frank, have you always been a fan of the Smiths as well? Be honest. I'm, I am going to be honest. Yeah, be honest. <laughs> let, me clear, let me clear my throat. <clears throat> okay. So yes. Uh, was I always a fan? I wasn't a fan necessarily because back when they were hitting, I was listening to much heavier stuff. I wasn't huge into the new wave scene and that um, I was more into heavier alt stuff. But I had an appreciation for the music. But I'm going to be honest, I couldn't really get past Morrissey's voice back then. But that has changed. Mm-hmm. So when I joined these guys, um, there was a whole different um, perspective that I had. A, because I had to learn the material, but also I remember finding myself maybe a couple of months in, I actually put on um, a Smith's album. I can't remember which one. Just I was on a road trip and I put on an album. I didn't even know I was doing it. I just wanted to listen to the music. It wasn't to learn the music. It wasn't because I had to refresh. I just wanted to hear it. <laughs> and uh, so I've become very attached to a few songs and I feel like I kind of missed out a bit at the time because had I had I maybe delved in a bit deeper, I would have realized the genius of it. Um, musically, definitely Johnny Marr. Um, also, Morrissey's lyrics, I think, are kind of his strength more so, in my opinion. I mean, I know there are people that love his voice, um, and I've gotten used to it. I actually like a lot of his more recent live solo stuff. So... I know that was long-winded, but yeah, no, I wasn't a big fan at the time, but I am now. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, it's, I'm always curious. And I think that the honesty is what makes, what makes these types of projects interesting too. Right. And uh, I, I've been a Smiths fan since I was in high school, but I do, 
I do think that they're an acquired taste and they have a very cultish following. People who like the Smiths really like the Smiths. There's no middle ground. Always there. the kind of band that you immediately get into sometimes. It, it does take a while to, to sort of let it hook you in. Mm-hmm. Those songs yeah, are so specific that uh, either you connect to them or don't, but when you do, you feel like they're talking about your life. So I think that's where uh, that, you know, fandom uh, is strong within the Smiths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and, a good point. Yeah, and, and that's also, you know, something I think that with when you have a tribute band, that's what I think you're probably connecting with the audience on a lot with too, is people project so much into songs by bands like the Smiths that you're really filling this gap for them because yeah, you're right. The Smiths don't tour uh, anymore. I don't, know if that's, get, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. They'll, yet. Get, they'll never get a chance to see the Smiths live. So we have it good in that sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think is it about the Smiths? Is it that is it that people have such an emotional connection to the songs? What is it about this band that's that's been able to have such a steady following for so long and attract people from younger generations continuously yeah. into a it? Good point. We've we've been noticing lately that while we have a lot of fans that come that are you know in that uh, age range from I I don't know thirty five to like sixty I want to say. Uh, we've been noticing a lot of like younger uh, fans coming through, like as as young as sixteen. I, I think TikTok might have something to do with that. I, I, my daughter tried to explain to me the other day that there's a couple of Smith songs that are being used for for TikTok videos. Uh, obviously, I have no idea, but uh, it, it speaks about teenage life and the insecurities in life, and you know the experience of growing up and probably like feeling inadequate uh depending on your personality so i think that's evergreen and uh, old generations are always going to identify with such topics what do you think frank i i totally agree i i feel like you know he marcy doesn't really just kind of touch on all of that he actually delves right in like the lyrics are very visceral and you almost have to be if you're not used to that you have to kind of prepare yourself for how he says what he says and how he's feeling and so I think that it's very relatable. If you're going through it even just a bit, you're right there and sucked in. Um, and also it's it's relatable. Like our bass player's daughters who are uh, 13 and 15, they're huge fans. Like they're always like, are you going to play this song tonight? Are you going to play this song tonight? Um, and I, so, yeah, that just speaks to, I think, just the relatability of the music. Absolutely. So it's like kind of timeless in them. Also, I feel like, as visceral as the lyrics are and as deep as those topics sometimes are, they're mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful song musically too. So it's kind of like uh, sugar-coated in a way, right? Like songs like Cemetery Gates and, oh, this is a happy song, but then you listen That's to true. it and like, it's not a happy song. Girlfriend in a Coma, for example, you know, things like that. It's just uh, the genius of, of it all, I feel. Yeah, melodically, it's so pretty. And then lyrically, it's maybe a little darker than the pretty. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's what kind of struck me in the beginning. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like nobody, what? nobody else was doing that at the time. And I don't even know since, you know, nobody was really approaching the subject matter that 
Morrissey was approaching, the way he hit it as hard as he did with the music that was so, you know, juxtaposed yeah. to. So, so obviously the cure comes to mind, but the cure, Absolutely, yeah. as long as sad, it sounds sad and it's dark, right? It's happy. It sounds happy and it's happy. Like, uh, yeah, the Smith were like, uh, a hybrid in a sense so dark lyrics with you know uh pop melodies and it's just it's just amazing mm -hmm. yeah they have a very distinct sound absolutely and and i agree it, it, it's it's hard to find a band similar to them and uh there's so many so many factors in i think in their original lineup that are, are going on at once right each musician is so distinct uh, yes. from one another, but they had a, a, a special chemistry between each other, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, musicianship is sort of unusual for the time in terms of not not so much the time, but the, the genre of music that they were playing. New Wave, for instance, right? There was a lot of keyboard-heavy stuff back then. Maybe the kind of simpler lines and stuff that mm -hmm. maybe you wouldn't think are especially advanced or even like worth listening to in terms of like, oh, that's just a cute melody. But if you listen just a little deeper than that, you'll hear the complexity of the bass lines, obviously the guitar, um, the drumming is like so on point for what they're doing. It's You're right. You, you're totally right when you say that. It's very unique. Why do you attribute band rather than original material? <laughs> I'll leave that to Frank to respond. So the question is, why why do tributes not original? Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. So when I was coming up, um, I was kind of a bit of a snob when it came to music in terms of I'm just ever going to play in original bands. You know, you'd play on a Tuesday night at some club to like five people and you'd be on a bill with three other bands. And so it was such a slog to do that. But um, it just was you know you had to stay true to the to the art and although i do i did believe that and i still do to a certain extent there's something about playing in a cover band or a tribute band that's instantly more rewarding um because you're hitting you're hitting chords for people that already exist you don't have to prove yourself you, the songs are already there they've come to hear the songs and if you happen to do a decent job of it it's a bonus and i just feel like it's more like an instant gratification and there's also partly, I think, bands are like a lot of the tributes that are existing now are for bands that don't exist anymore. Definitely. So people miss that. And I think we're feeling that. And also, I just I appreciate it on a different level now. And I, I and I love playing in tribute bands for that reason. And uh, obviously, we've all done the original thing. And we're definitely we are at an age in our lives where you just... <laughs> you got to rethink what you want to do. You know, it's, this is very rewarding and we love the Smith. So why not? Yeah. Agree. Yeah. I don't need any other reason than that. Right. If it makes you happy and you're having fun doing it and other people are enjoying it too. Right. We yeah. have a lot of fun on those shows. That's for sure. Is there, are there certain songs that really get the audience going over others or, or do you find that everybody's equally excited for everything you play? um so i usually ask the audience what do you guys want to hear tonight and i'm surprised by the response it's always a deep cut like play asleep or play what i don't know like uh girl afraid but 
obviously the big hits are, you know, big hits for a reason. So every time we play, there's a light that never goes out. It's a riot. Um, what else? Definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely that. Obviously, soon. live. We've been doing uh, Well, I Wonder, which has a response yeah. with the crowd. Um, but like Frank said at the beginning, uh, people that come to our shows, they know all the words. And uh, there's not a single song that catches them off guard. We even played, uh, oh man, it escapes me now, but a, a very deep cut uh, a couple of years back. And I was surprised people like knew the, the words. I'm like, well, this is crazy. Yeah, I remember when we did uh, an we did the entire Meet His Murder album as one set, Absolutely. just like last year, I think. Um, and there's some stuff on there which necessarily is maybe not as popular as other stuff that's on that album. And but everyone was like right into it all the way from beginning to end, you know, which is just a testament to the popularity um, of it. But speaking of like sets and what we choose to play, oftentimes when I'm talking to people in the audience between sets. They'll, they'll ask me, are you guys doing this? Or are you doing this? And I'll just show them the next set. I'll, I'll ask them, do you want to see what we're playing the next set and the set after that? And they always freak out because they th somehow think that's sort of a sac sacred territory that a band would share. So I'm like, sure. And I'll, I'll show them. And they're like, they're, their eyes get wide and they get really excited that they have that inside information of what we're about to play. And, and always there's a song in the set list that they just wouldn't have expected that we would play that we're playing. So it's always fun to do that. I will add that we started playing, we've started playing Morrissey songs again. Mm -hmm. Seems to be socially acceptable again because we tried that a couple of years back and the reaction was not as good as uh, the last couple of times around. So happy for that because I was uh, first and foremost it's a Morrissey fan before I was a Smith's fan. So I'm very happy for that. Okay. Yeah, those songs, those songs hit. They're, they're a lot of fun to play for sure. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because Morrissey is such a controversial figure now, which is is so unfortunate, I think, for for Smiths fans and and for Morrissey fans, right? It's it, again, he's, you know, these are songs that have such loyal followings, and and uh, it's it's sometimes it's hard to you know to still hang in there. I think for certain people. Yeah, we definitely played a couple songs a couple of years back, and it was a very cold uh, reaction from the the crowd but the last couple of times we've incorporated a couple of songs like uh every day's like sunday irish blood english heart uh less of the international uh labels actually was great suede head and it's been a riot like just you know same reaction as to any smith song which is great because it expands our you know uh catalog of songs that we can do for sure mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah there's and a good response been... to that He's been touring pretty often as well lately. I've been watching some some of uh, some videos that people are posting on YouTube. But one thing that really blew my mind is because I remember the 90s, he wouldn't play Smith songs. And there were rumors that, I don't know if this was actually true. It's quite possible that it was. But I remember there was a time people were saying that if they, uh, if anybody was seen wearing a Smith t-shirt at a Morrissey concert, he would kick them out of the show. Um Wow. So I don't, yeah, I know. I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things like, you know, given his reputation, it's believable, but I don't, it's also, I mean, it's, it was harder to verify information like that in the nineties because we didn't have yeah, social indeed. media. I don't think right? that was the case though. 
to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I know that now he he has been playing Smith songs on his set lists. And uh, there's a there's a show that he did in 2023 where he opened with How Soon Is Now. And I thought, wow, what a move. Yep, indeed. <laughs> I saw him last October in New York and he did How Soon Is Now. Uh, he plays Still Ill. So he, he yeah, he revisits his old classic. He's softening up. <laughs> yes, yeah. Time does that to people. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> I always find my, my biggest, my... The biggest part about listening to any of the live Morrissey stuff is uh, his band is always killer. Like they're just so on it and such good musicians. So it just takes that music to another level also um, from the from the original recordings in terms of like his solo stuff. I find when they do his solo stuff live, it's like different and it's just more. Um, I don't know, just there's more energy. Yeah, I totally agree. And you have to be really good to play those songs, right? Like what we've, we've been agree, talking yeah. about, the, mu the musicianship involved is uh, is so technical. Mm -hmm. The feel thing for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think Morrissey would like your tribute to, to these songs? <laughs> That's a great <laughs> question. I don't know. <laughs> uh, probably, probably not, I'm inclined to say. Why would you say that? Why would you say probably not? I know he's such a character. He hates everything. He's such a character that yeah. You know, Johnny Marr would probably appreciate it more. I, I don't know what he had yeah. to say about Rick Astley playing a Smith set at the festival last summer. I think it was. I think he wasn't very well. Actually, Johnny Marr was not very impressed. I don't think oh. he addressed the the fact that Rick Astley was playing the Smiths, but um. We do it because we we love the music. So hopefully they they see past you know <laughs> us trying to steal the thunder with their songs. I don't know. I'm gonna go unpopular opinion and say that he would love it. He would be very he would be gracious about it, and he would be taken aback, and he would be just happy that other people are enjoying it through other you know just other people playing it, like bands that are continuing it on. I think that's what he would say. I doubt it, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a little naive and gullible. So yeah, that's me. I like the optimism. That's good. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> what are your favorite songs to play when you're doing live shows? Uh, well, for me, definitely. Well, I wonder. I love that song. <laughs> I love doing just because of the energy. This charming man. I love playing these things take time. Um, that joke isn't funny anymore. It's a highlight definitely for me. I don't know about you, Frank. Yeah, those all hit. Um, for me, I guess the standouts would be Shoplifters. I love the groove on that. That's just got like, it's it can get really heavy at times and I just love that feel. Um, and on a personal note, um, there is a light. Whenever we play that, it, I have to like really focus on not getting emotional when I'm listening to you sing it because it conjures up everything like blatantly, like there's no, you know, pussyfooting around what he's saying. And so, and the way he says it, um, it, you know, we've all lost people. We've all had to deal with grief and some point and love and whatever form that would take, whether it's friends, family, partners. And so that always hits for me. It just always takes me away. And on one hand, I love it. 
Um, I would say the song that I don't necessarily love playing mm -hmm. is How Soon Is Now. I just, it's not, it doesn't do it for me. Uh, I know people love that song. It's just too yeah. long. I know what you mean. That's like, it's fun long. because it's the hit, but also I, I get I get more out of the other songs, I guess, somehow. Maybe it's because it was the hit, right? So overplayed, whatever. But people love the song, so, like, you gotta do them justice, regardless mm -hmm. if you love them or not. Yeah, is that part of what it means to do a tribute band? Is are you? I, I, I'm assuming that you're ultimately in service to those songs and uh, and and to the artists that you were yourself. Exactly, in. like uh, how we feel particularly about a certain song is irrelevant, right? Like we we need to like do it justice to each one of those songs, um, and each one of those songs is special in its own way for for anybody in the audience. So. Um, you cannot let your personal biases, uh, you know, dictate what you play or how much emotion you, you put into the performance. Uh, you always got to bring your A level to every song, definitely. Yeah, I agree. I feel like even if it might be a song that I don't maybe enjoy playing as much as another song, usually all I got to do is look out in the audience. That's such a source of like inspiration to want to play even better all the time so if ever i'm feeling like eh then i usually just kind of feed off the audience and it just puts me right back to where i need to be which is always great the feedback are the people who come to your shows do you feel like they're they're part of uh, a you know a loose kind of community or like what what is this that that we're all hooked into as smith's fans That is a good question. That is a good question. Um, Frank, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I, I do feel like it, you're right. It is a sense of community because I think the music is specialized. Um, and it's not maybe your first thought when you think 80s, unless you were like a huge fan, and, and then it would be, obviously. But I, I just think that because it's so specialized that it makes the bond even stronger amongst the people that appreciate it. Um, and that's evident every time we play a show and just the crowd is um, re relays that they always do. And it's always such a special moment to experience that. And I don't know that I get that feeling when I play, I play in a bunch of other bands and other cover material and such. And although there's always an appreciation for music that people remember and love, Something about a Smith's crowd is a little bit different. Absolutely. And definitely. We have some regulars that uh, at this point, like they know each other and, you know, they, they look forward to hanging out and singing those songs together. And there's definitely a sense of community uh, being built whenever we play. And that's part of the. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Frank, what other kinds of cover bands are you in? Um, I'm in a Nelson. I can't remember. Help me. You're um, in the ACDC tribute band, dude. I'm in an ACDC tribute band. I'm also in a tragically hip tribute band. I'm also in a, a cover band that just does everything, everything from rage to Chili's to 90s stuff, STP, Pearl Jam, talking heads, 
um, Peter Gabriel, Heavy Stuff, Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Tool. <laughs> we do everything. But that's, that's more of a wow. special passion, passion project. We do. We cater to the audience, but we also like to play the stuff we like to play. Mm, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's quite quite the range. Uh, yeah. You just listed off so many so many bands that remind me of high school. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But, right. uh, <laughs> you know, I'm curious because you, you know, you had mentioned um, that the, you know, the crowd that comes to your shows, there's something a little bit different uh, compared to other types of 80s bands and, and 80s sounds. And one of the things that I always explore on this podcast is, is what is it about the 80s overall that people are still so loyal to? Uh, there's, you know, they find that um, you know, the Smiths are, are, I think, their own thing in a lot of ways. Um, and they do sort of sit apart from the 80s a, a little bit. But there's something about that era that people just continue to be obsessed with. It was such, I think a, such a vibrant era, right? Like Everything was so yeah. different. Uh, everything was so unique. And there's also the sense of the power and the sense of nostalgia, right? Like that people want to re relive what, you know, their, their youth and, you know, remember those songs and where they were in their lives when that song was, you know, popular or whatever. Um, so that's all, that's very powerful for sure. That's totally it. And nostalgia is a big part of it, but also that style of music sort of hasn't, it was new at the time, which is kind of hard to you can't really say that like you could then in terms of what's happening now. Although there's a lot of great stuff out there. Absolutely. It's just something about what hit in the eighties was so had never been done. And just a lot of that had to do with the way things were produced. Um, yeah. And just was new. Yeah. We were playing around with new toys in terms of musical instruments. Yeah, like every everything's time, been right? done, everything's been done over and over again, and then there was a time when, like, all of a sudden, hey, this is actually brand new sounding, which was sort of cool, and I think that's that's a big part of the nostalgia of it because it sort of has never been done again, which is good. Mm -hmm. Earlier, you were mentioning that younger people that are interested in the Smiths and. Uh, some of them are quite young and I'm, I'm finding this as well in terms of 80s culture on a whole there are there's a whole whole new generation of people who are being drawn into vintage clothes from the 80s and john hughes movies and mm -hmm. bands like the smiths and and it just seems like there's this again this kind of revival around it for younger people and and i often wonder if part of it is because of some of those things that you're you're mentioning when we talk about how this these songs were you know these sounds and styles were new at the time if there's some kind of essence that they have that you can't you can't quite get from sounds that are coming out now even though they can easily be replicated yeah i think you said it that's totally that's a big part of it definitely for me any of the music that i listened to back then um whenever i listen now it just sucks me right back to that time and i can feel i can smell everything that i was smelling at the time and feel all the things i was doing and all the things that mattered to me it all comes flooding back and it's just very unique and a lot of music does that but something very special about what was going on in the 80s definitely mm -hmm.
and I'm sorry for young people, uh, things were just better. <laughs> like, I, uh, I agree. Better produced. Artists sang better. Like, you had to be a musician and you had to, like, you had to be Kate Bush, right? Like, you had to be that sort of powerhouse. Yeah. Now, I don't want to dismiss today's music, but it's just not the same. Yeah, I agree. There was no, you know, there wasn't editing. There wasn't like auto tune. I mean, I sound like such an old man when I say that, but it's a fact in terms of like, you know, you did a take and the whole band would play. And it was very rare that you'd go in there with a razor blade and cut the tape to, you know, to put in a different verse into the take that you liked the best. You know, that, that was very rare. So oftentimes, you know, you like if y'all have to agree on a take and if you didn't like it, you do it again, the whole song. And there's something, there was something very, uh, I don't know, you know, a seat of the pants kind of producing and and recording, which which you hear in the music. You just hear it. Um, and so that translates. And I think that's kind of what's missing now. Yeah, it was harder to fake it then. Absolutely. <laughs> yep, that's true. That's so true. That's oftentimes why you'll hear some songs, you know, you'll hear a mistake in something. You know, the guitarist will hit a wrong note or there'll be some weird flub that we just know the song so well that we just, it's normal, it's normalized when we hear it. But at the time, that was a mistake. And there's like, well, the take was so perfect. Other than that, there's no way we're going to like not use this. We just have to deal with the fact that there's a mistake in it or whatever. And that that's part of the charm of it and also the humanity of it. It just makes it real. Where, where do you hope the Queen is Dead goes in the future do you have you know do you do you have plans to do more of what you're doing are you keeping things status quo do you have well, we, used to, we used to believe that we were so specialized that the ceiling oh, was very low but um we're doing better than ever nowadays uh, in terms of drawing people into our shows and we just want to play more outside of toronto like uh, we play 90% of our shows here in the city. We definitely want to explore uh, playing other provinces, other cities in Ontario. We're going to Buffalo uh, later this year. So uh, we look at the UK, obviously, like the Smiths are British, right? Like there's bands out there playing massive, massive uh, arenas and all that. So maybe like, like other, oh, you mean like other tribute bands, tribute bands in the UK? Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, we can always. I think there's there's room for 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 growth with this uh, Smiths tribute. Absolutely, absolutely. If there's a are there any booking agents out there that are looking for Smiths tribute acts to fill out their roster, definitely hit Liz up. Talk to us. We'd be down to entertain the idea. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a Depeche Mode tribute band from LA, and they tour around all over. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's the yeah, there can you know there can definitely be opportunities out there for tributes. I mean, yes, obviously the patch mode was very much, you know, more popular than the Smiths. We also play a lot with a an Oasis tribute band, and they do phenomenally well. And they go to the states, like you were saying, and they play the Phoenix here, which is a huge venue. We did two nights with them at the Horseshoe, um, so. I mean, definitely there's there's an appetite for for tribute bands like such as ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And at this point, do you can you play the entire Smiths catalog or are there still songs that you haven't cornered yet? It's probably like 15 songs we don't do yet. OK, uh, did you say 
fifteen one five. Yes. Okay. That would that still have about right. We've done about a wrap, but we do quite I mean, a bit. Probably like fifty songs we've done so far. Um, so there's a couple songs from the Queen is Dead that we want to incorporate because we want to do a, a Queen is Dead show at some point. Um, there's a couple of songs from the first album that we don't do. So mm-hmm. um, Asleep we want to do. So there's like 15, 20 songs that we can still incorporate into our set list. I'm looking wow. forward to do so. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think that's, a, it, it sounds like a, a weird question to ask maybe, right? Um, but I, mm-hmm. I also you can imagine that it's probably still exciting to have things that you haven't done yet, right? There's still this new territory to cover. It's funny because I usually introduce them as, this is a new song. <laughs> <laughs> I do. It is That's right, you do say that. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, so Eric, the guitarist, and Nelson are sort of like the visionaries of the band. And they were like huge Smiths fans, more so than Ken and I. And so they're like, they're the ones that kind of lead so oftentimes when we're setting the set list, it's usually Eric that does it. But, you know, maybe Ken or I will be like, well, why, why don't we do whatever song it is? And then Eric or Nelson will say, well, that wasn't as big a hit as whatever, whatever. And that's the kind of knowledge that Ken and I don't have, but but they do. And so we always defer to them for in terms of like, OK, what's going to work here? You guys know. <laughs> and we just love playing all the music, so it doesn't matter. We just enjoy playing with the guys. But. Yeah, you, you and you and uh, Eric definitely know what you're talking about when it comes yeah, to... Yeah, because there's, there's layers, right? Like, we're playing yeah. our own show, we have free reign, and we know the people coming are, like, there for us. But sometimes right. we're part of a bill, and we're like, okay, maybe these people need these particular songs if we're going to be uh, successful tonight. So it all depends. Yeah. Yeah, and you guys I have a good so fit on that. I never thought about that, that you would, ha- yeah, that you would prioritize what, what you're actually going to be learning together and working on together so that you can structure your sets appropriately, depending on who you're playing with or what you're doing. If it's your show, if it's someone else's show. When we're opening for that Oasis band, you, you got to come with the hits, right? Because right. uh, right. people are only going to know there's a light and how soon and this charming man and everything you know else is so just a bonus for you. Ah, okay. That makes, yeah, that makes so much sense. I think, you know, I'm really thinking about this as a Smiths fan, right? So for me, I assume everybody knows those songs. Me too. <laughs> Sometimes it's disappointed when uh, I don't see like the reaction that I was expecting from people, right? Right. <laughs> what are your favorite songs? What are your favorite songs? Oh my gosh. Um, I love... Oh, yeah, I mean, I love so Queen is Dead. That's one of my favorite Smith albums. I think that's a perfect mm-hmm. album. I love every song off of that. I think is amazing. Um, uh, yeah, I love Cemetery Gates. Uh, Morrissey stuff. I love Suedehead. Uh, I I know he still does that live, and I'm always going down YouTube rabbit holes too uh, to watch his his recent live versions of it, which are you know sometimes uh, to be honest a little bit hit or miss, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love uh, I do love a lot of a lot of Morrissey solo stuff as well. Um, he has some really good songs uh, that he's done on his own. Um, Mita's Murder. I used to listen to that album all you know 
front to back all throughout high school. So that's another album to me. I think every song on that is amazing. I don't know. I don't know if I like Me This Murder more than The Queen of Dead. That depends on the day. They're, they ha they're, they are different. They're different albums for sure. But I think for me in the, the time that I was listening to those songs, it's that's part of the reason why I like those albums so much is because of the time in my life when I was discovering that music. Mm. Definitely got to come to one of our shows. Yes. Yes. I would love that. Where are you? Where are you based? Liz? I'm I'm in Hamilton. Uh, okay. I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to try to come to your show. You have a show at the Lindsmore, right? Next month in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah sorry. What is it? Was it Nelson? February 23rd? 23rd. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I'm going to try to come to that. Um, but if you ever come out to Hamilton, let me know. Because uh, I, I love to... Hamilton once, and we definitely want to return. Mm -hmm. I don't know why it's been so difficult to to book a show at, in Hamilton. Oh, really? Yes. Mm -hmm. Where did you play before here? We played This Is Not Hollywood or something. Oh, yeah. Know. Okay. The St. Hollywood. Yeah. That place yeah. is gone now. But yeah, the cat, I mean, the cat, you could try the Casbah. It's a good. That's what we we've been talking about, Casbah. Okay, yeah. As I, I feel like that would be a good a good spot. But yeah, if you if you come out this way, let me know. I'll definitely wrangle people to come. That'd be um, awesome. Yeah, put you on a guest list. I promise. Okay. No, that's fine. I don't. Mind. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Nelson, Nelson, we don't do it for the money, right? We don't do it for the money, do we? We don't. <laughs> we do it for the nookie. It's. A <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I just, I didn't think you'd say that, but you did. <laughs> yeah, we do it for the love of the music. Yeah. Money's good, too. Are there any specific challenges that come with being in a tribute band that you might not encounter in any other type of band? Or is, is it, is it, are the challenges the same no matter what kind of music you're doing? Hmm. I think if you, depending on what the, what the band is, like, staying true to the music and like depending on the band that's when you have to decide how note for note you have to hit it because the, then the audience is more discerning depending on like if you're in a rush cover tribute band maybe you have to really have your stuff together uh otherwise people will call you out on it um so yeah i think th that would be the biggest challenge is just authenticating the music to the audience and I, we, we take pride in doing it that way um um, I feel like depending on the music, sometimes people just hear the music and they don't necessarily, um, it doesn't matter as much maybe if you're hitting it as you should because the melody's there and they're loving it. I, I don't think we subscribe to that. That's not how we approach it. But some other cover bands do. They can because of the music. Mm -hmm. They might want that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's the biggest challenge is like, how do you, how do you approach the music to best represent it? Because mm -hmm. people are paying money, usually good money. And this is music they know intimately, right? So mm -hmm. I'll say, like, I'm just so glad that we're good because these songs mean so much to so many people that if we're out there butchering them, then it wouldn't be, you know, as much fun as it is. Yeah, we are good, damn it. We work hard and it doesn't we come do. from a place of arrogance. We bust our ass and it means a lot to us when we we'll still come off stage and once in a while, like one of us will say to the other, like, oh, I could have nailed that better or I messed that up or whatever. And you know, we walk away wondering how we could do it better all the time. We never walk off stage being like that, that's we were we're we're great. 
we never do that. <laughs> we, we might think later on about, okay, how hard we work and we do a good job of it. But yeah, we're always wondering how we could be better. Mm -hmm. Is there, to a certain extent, do you also put yourself into these songs though? Uh, in what sense do you mean? Like, I mean, I think, you know, I, I think about the creative process a, a lot in general. I think everything that we do has to come through our own personal filter well, in a certain way. Yeah. Right. And, and as musicians, no two musicians are going to play exactly alike. You have different bodies, you have different motor movements, you know, there's there mm -hmm. always going to be some kind of variation. Yeah. Um, uh, this might sound weird, but whenever like late especially lately when we're playing like those are my songs mm. you know they it's like the smiths did not exist and we are that band um it's such a weird experience for me lately um so i think yes even though i didn't write any of that or it's just they're my songs in that moment in time like I, i'm not conscious that i'm doing smiths right like i don't know if that makes any sense I totally feel the same way. I feel like we bring our own spin to it. We're staying true to the song, but we're just, we're making it our own at the same time. Um, and I feel the same way, you know, so like when we're playing those songs, I just, that's how I hit them. I hit them the same way. Like there are songs. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, it's been really great to learn more about your process and, Tell me about your band and what you're doing and why you're doing it. Uh, for everyone who's listening, if they want to follow you and find out more about you, hopefully catch a show in the future, where is the best place for them to keep up to date with everything that the Queen is Dead is up to? Yeah, absolutely. People can uh, stay in touch. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. No, I will not call it X. We are at uh, the Queen is Dead Toronto. That's probably the best way to find us. Um, and you can, you know, know about shows and what's going on in our world. And if you're a Smiths fan, please do check us out live. Um, and thank, thanks, Liz, for having us. It's been a riot. Yeah, yeah I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been the Forever 80s podcast. This is Liz Worth, and I will talk to you again soon. The Forever 80s podcast hosted by Liz Worth, where we talk to fans, artists, collectors, and more about all the things we love about the 1980s. If you like this episode, let us know. Hit subscribe, leave a review, or share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.